Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or close it, he's in. A backhander and a save by Tony Esposito. Stan Mikita was a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Lackerson, and he puts that guy down. Lackerson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Murphy picked out a minute. Six seventy, the scores, hockey guy Jay Zawaski. Part of Blue Wire Podcasts. Game off the boards. He shoots. He's going down to the tape. A game-winning goal. The Hawks live to fight another day. Rolling back, circle and drives. Get the Gretzky. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, Dr. Squatch, and by the Sins In-Law Group, let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends. This is our first off-season edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, of course, as always, is the one, the only, Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast. Jay, love the calls that are in our new intro. I know we keep mentioning it. I still love the fact that uh, Doc Emmerich yelled Kane after Marion Hosa scored that (laughs) overtime goal against the Predators. It was uh, quite priceless and uh, just another one of the great memories that we have from Doc and from that era in Blackhawks hockey. He saw an eight and he lost his mind just like we all did. Uh, (laughs) Man, that was funny. They did a thing uh, last week on, I think it was the NBC Sports Nets uh, Instagram saying, if Doc, if you could have one call back, what would it be? And it was the Kane overtime winner in 2010. So they had him re-record it. And it was really, really cool. So check that out if you haven't already. 
Thank you for checking out the Madhouse podcast. We greatly appreciate it. By the way, speaking of that open made by my partner at 670 The Score, Jordan Malley, every time I hear that Taves goal, I get goosebumps, man. It is just such a great call by Pat Foley. And we've got a little Pat Foley news to get to today. I forgot to mention that in the pre-show meeting there, James, but uh, we should address that whole that whole scenario. Ah, you as well. and your little springing stuff on me, man, all the time. <laughs> That's it. That's I'm always trying to ambush you because basically the, the shows are good when I, you ambush your partner. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining us, MadhousePod at gmail.com or on Twitter at MadhousePod. Uh, Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod. We're on Facebook, Madhouse Hockey CHI. Go to madhousepod.com for all things Madhouse Podcast, including a link to our merchandise shop, madhousepodmerch.com, powered by our friends at Triple Threat Sports. One thing I want to mention, too, we have been partners with Dr. Squatch for about a year now. That partnership is ending on May 20th. So if you want to jump on Dr. Squatch, if you've been on the fence, do it now. Go to drsquatch.com. Enter that promo code MADHOUSE20. Nothing bad. Dr. Squatch is just sort of changing the way they do their advertising, the way they do their partnerships. And when I really broke it down, just to take everybody behind the curtain here, the money that would have been made by us was not worth me taking a minute of your time every episode as a listener. So we value that. We consider those things. We don't want to inundate you with ads if it's not really going to make a difference for James, right? It made a big difference for us earlier. The way things are changing, it's not. We still love Dr. Squatch. We still use Dr. Squatch. I will use it every day until I die or they go out of business, whatever happens first. And uh, But just our promo code in particular, the Madhouse 20 promo code is going away. So jump on that. Get yourself some soap. Get yourself some shampoo, conditioner, toothpaste, the whole nine yards. Everything at Dr. Squatch is awesome. And I will vouch for them forever because Ho- I am a true believer. Uh- <laughs> hopefully you don't uh die and then they go out of business hopefully those two things are not interconnected maybe they'll just cease operations in honor of me <laughs> of, uh, in honor of my death let's not talk about my death yeah <laughs> let's not do that this is a time for optimism and happiness jay Zawaski. is it i mean yeah the sun's shining outside right. we're fully covid vaxxed and the black o- oh wait the blackhawks aren't playing hockey anymore no Ah, son of a bee sting. Well, we're going to take care of that issue because we are also adopting a bandwagon playoff team today. That will happen. Mm -hmm. But we're going to talk to some Blackhawks first, I think. I think that's, uh, you know, kind of our brand, kind of our style. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) let's talk some Blackhawks, buddy. Where do you want to start? There are like 14 different things we can go with. Well, let's see. Let's. I am motivated to begin with the Jonathan Tave stuff. And we've been through so much with this. And. Jonathan Tate has been through a hell of a lot more than us, we probably think, right? Um, I would guess. But it's just kind of hard to, um, every day it seems like the story changes. So remember a couple weeks ago, we heard from Darren Dreger, who said, you know, oh, they're optimistic. I don't know if he used the word optimistic, but just sort of said the expectation is that he'll play next season. Fast forward a couple weeks, Hawk season ends. Stan Bowman meets the media and says, yeah, I talked to him a little bit about some hockey and some non-hockey stuff. And, you know, we're hopeful he'll be back, but we're in uncharted waters. And all the, like, hope I had kind of got washed away by Stan Bowman saying what he did. Mm. And maybe he's not measuring his words as closely as we're listening to them, if that makes any sense. Because we're looking for any sort of clue, any sort of indication on will he play again? Is he okay? Most importantly. So every little nugget, every little word is going to be dissected. Maybe that's wrong. But it's really all we have to cling to. And I'm feeling 
less optimistic than I did two or three weeks ago. I don't know about you, James. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, kind of couching that was going on, and I know that it's very tempting to kind of read so far into just about everything because obviously we're hungry for any morsel of information that we can get about Jonathan Taves at this point. But I still I look at it as, like you mentioned, first and foremost, I just want the guy to be healthy, right? I just want him... I just want him to be able to live as normal a life as possible, whatever's going on with him. Obviously, we still have no clue. That's what I want to have happen. The the hockey stuff is, I mean, it's obviously a huge story going into the offseason and going into next season for the Blackhawks, but whatever ends up happening with that to me is secondary to his health. I kind of agreed with you and some of the other uh, kind of reporters and analysts who thought that there was a very like a slight tonal change with the Blackhawks in terms of their optimism. I think they obviously they are you know aware of what's going on with Taves and we're not, so it's hard to kind of ascribe meaning to what they were saying. But yeah, they're it just it really did seem like they were less optimistic than they had been, and I'm not overly fond of that. But hey, you know what? Whatever ends up happening, like I said, the only thing that we're really rooting for here is for Jonathan to uh, be healthy enough to enjoy, you know, a mostly if not completely normal life. Yeah, that that's that's what matters most. But as hockey fans and as guys who cover and talk about the team, him coming back and playing is good for business too. So there is a bit of a selfish concern there, but really. As long as he's going to be okay, as long as we're going to be able to see him and and he has got a nice long, you know, not just hockey life, but life life ahead of him. And, yeah, and, I mean, he's only, what, 34, yeah, I and think, what, this see, year? What's crazy is we're talking about, and this is like a little bit of my criticism for how they've handled this. It's one thing to not say, it's one thing to be protective of privacy, right? But people are speculating if Jonathan Taves is okay. Like, is he going to live? And people are legitimately asking that question because there's nothing else to go off of. Yeah. There just isn't. And I know it sounds like a crazy stretch, but could he have? I'm not going to say diseases, but maybe there is something that was life-threatening or is life-threatening. Maybe it's uh, mental fatigue. It could be any world of possibilities, and that's what keeps your mind reeling and you're thinking the worst, and it's scary. It's a scary place to be, and that's why I wish they would kind of say, hey, like, you know, Johnny's going to be okay. We're just going to give him time. I don't know, but it'd be much easier to speak of if we knew what it was. I don't want to speculate. It just is really, really hard to get any sort of feel for what's going on here. But like you said, like we've said all season long, all that matters is that he's okay, and, and that's the hope. And if it takes takes him retiring for that to be the case, then so be it. Yeah, I mean, that, and obviously I think a lot of the questions surrounding the Blackhawks going into the offseason I think are kind of going to be predicated a lot on whether or not Jonathan Taves is going to be back, right? I think that plays into the calculus of how aggressively you pursue a new contract would be a suitor. It goes into how aggressively you do or don't uh, potentially try to trade Dylan Strom. It goes into whether you're going to try to invest in more wingers to try to help the new uh, top line centers because Jonathan Taves obviously is going to be out of that calculus if he's not going to play. That we obviously we've made it very abundantly clear that we care more about the health of Taves than anything, but his status does have kind of a cascading effect on the rest of the roster. And I think that that 
more so than any other storyline this offseason, it kind of sets the stage to knock down the rest of the dominoes, right? I know that there's a lot of talk about the goaltending situation, a lot of talk about the blue line situation, but the Jonathan Taves ailment, whatever we want to call it, whatever that is, that has the potential to impact the rest of your roster. And so I think if we want to look at this specifically from a hockey perspective, I think that all of it starts with Jonathan Taves and then kind of breaks down. So I think that obviously we're when we kind of go through this offseason and we kind of look at some of the guys that we think the Blackhawks could move or not move, sign or not sign, it does all have to be kind of viewed through that prism of what's going on with Jonathan Taves. Definitely. And from a money standpoint, from a roster spot standpoint, et cetera, like I say, every episode, make sure you check out the last thing Scott Powers wrote for the athletic. What he wrote today was fantastic. Uh, it's called what I'm hearing about the Blackhawks offseason and why they signed goalie Arvid Soderblom, which we'll get into, obviously. But the Taves factor lingers over everything. Right. And, and here's what he says. The Blackhawks will be using the coming weeks to determine which forwards, defensemen, and goalies they want to roll with next season. Some will stay, some will go. The Blackhawks are tentatively planning for Jonathan Taves, Alex Nylander, and Henrik Borgstrom, and Lucas Reichel to join them come training camp. Now, let's start with Borgstrom. That was yeah. the first signing of the offseason. You might remember him from, uh, I just did a, um, what's his name? You may remember me, Troy McClure. <laughs> Hi, I'm Henrik Borgstrom. You may remember me from the Florida Panthers trade. Uh, the Hawks, that was kind of the guy they wanted the most, was playing in Finland. He yep. signs a two-year deal for a million-dollar cap hit. He's going to be part of things. Uh, like Power said, uh, Lucas Reichel's going to get a look. Alex Nylander's back. You're gonna. Ha they want to re-sign Pia Suter. They want to re-sign David Camp. They want to re-sign Nikita Zadorov, a defenseman. Yeah, there's just so many bodies. And yeah, so you look at their spots. cap friendly page, even with Jonathan Taves and Curb with Jonathan Taves not on the list, they still have 15 forwards that they have that are either going to be restricted free agents or still under contract for next season. Like that is a lot of things to sort through. And that, you know, obviously doesn't even include Borgstrom yet. It's just it's crazy. Well, it's a good problem to have, right? You've got all this sort of NHL talent available to you, but it just kind of remains to be seen like we all really liked what Vinny Henestrosa brought this year, right? Like they traded mm -hmm. for him. He was a very impactful player, played well, but he's an unrestricted free agent. Where, the only he... one I might add among the forwards, which is really bizarre. Yeah. Where's he going to play? They've got to resign Hagel, right? They're going to resign Suter. Yep. You're thinking that Taves is back. Probably going to resign Adam Goddard. I mean. Yeah. If he doesn't get claimed, right? That's Do true. Kirby doc is back. So there's there's only so many roster spots here. And then you add in Borgstrom, Reichel, Nylander. <laughs> there's just not a lot of roster spots left, man. It's crazy. And when you look at that, it's kind of like, whoa, wait a minute. If you kind of play this thing out to what the Hawks roster could be, you're talking Taves, Kane, Debrinkit, Doc, mm -hmm. Strom is still under contract. Kubalik. Kubalik is still here. Suter. Hagel. Nylander. There's your top three. Kampf. Who am I missing? I'll, I'll throw Gaudette in there. Uh, Brett Conley. You're missing him. Conley. You've got Philip Kurashev. Mike Hardman you've still yet. got. Yep. yep. Kurashev. Exactly. So we've got all these names ready. And you're talking about a pretty solid start 
for your forward group. That doesn't even include Borgstrom. It doesn't include Reichel. It doesn't include Evan Barrett, who they who they like a lot, who's a prospect. Like there's so many names. So I think you know we're trying to figure out where's the help coming on the blue line for the Hawks. They've got some bodies they can move, and they might move a guy you like. Yeah, but they've got some bodies that can move. And, and as I project this out, I just don't see how Vinny Henestros is back with this team. The calculus doesn't work out, and I do think that you're absolutely right. That they're probably going to end up moving some veterans more out of uh, necessity, probably just to get some of these younger guys into the mix. I don't think that they are going to be over a barrel, though, with any of these guys, which is going to be kind of a right. a welcome change of pace, right? I still think there will be a market out there for a Dylan Strom. I think that a Ryan Carpenter could attract some interest as one year left on his contract. If they wanted to potentially trade away a guy like Philip Kurashev, they could potentially do that as well. I mean, there are quite a few guys, like, out of all of the forwards, Jay, this is – all right, let's start with this question right here. Okay. Out of all of the forwards – how many of them do you think are untouchable in a trade? And I know that you listen offers on everybody, but if you had to bet your bottom dollar that Stan Bowman would say no to a guy getting traded among those forwards, who do you think's on that list? Doc Debrinkit Kane. I think that's about it. I mean, and I and I could even argue that they're, they're I don't want to say this, Jay. I'm gonna say something and I'm probably gonna regret it. Uh oh. There might be a scenario where maybe trading to Brinkett wouldn't be a terrible idea if you really want to bring in a top-tier defenseman. There might be some type of a market for that, right? Like, it's a $6.4 million contract, two more seasons, and he's a restricted free agent at the end of it. Like, that, there is so much value to that contract for the Blackhawks. But if you can make a deal like that and really bring in a top, like, two defensemen, I'm not going to dismiss that out of hand. I don't want to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. he's obviously an incredible player and he's only 23 years old. But if you're looking at tradable contracts for guys who could really bring you back a boatload of assets, I mean, that's not a. I, I wouldn't say I want. Obviously, I would not say I want to trade mm-hmm. him, but it's at least a thing I couldn't just rule out of hand. You know, I couldn't rule that out out of hand. I think, well, here's the thing. The idea would be you're trading from an area of strength. You've got a lot of forward depth yeah. to address an area of weakness. And and Alex DeBrinket would do that. You would fetch a really probably solid young defenseman for DeBrinket. You find a team stacked with defensemen, maybe Colorado, right? Yeah. They've got a lot of young, good defensemen. Here's the problem, though. And here's why I would be hesitant to do that. Because Kane is 32. You know, Jonathan Taves is 34 33 right now be 34 next season where is your elite scoring coming from if Alex DeBrinkett is not on this team and that's my concern and we we all like what we've seen from Kirby Doc so far but if there's one criticism he's not putting the puck in the net with a lot of frequency again he's 20 I know he's he's played like basically one full NHL season there's absolutely 0.0 percent panic on me for Kirby Doc I love him as a prospect it would take the world for me to trade him, but as of this moment, he has I don't think you would get I think my point is you would not get the world for Kirby Doc, and so there's no reason to even discuss it. Exactly. I don't know. That's probably where I'm at with him. But I'm just saying, like, he's not a proven scorer yet. We all think it's coming. It's probably coming. I would bet a lot of money that it was coming. It just hasn't come yet, so you can't bank on it. Debrinkit was on a fifty one goal pace this season. 
and he's 23. Yeah. So it's really hard. For, but again, if you're giving me now, this is a pipe dream, but Kale McCarr. I'm listening, yeah. right? Like I, literally I'm, it has to be like that though. I do want to, yeah. I cannot mm-hmm. emphasize that enough. This cannot be Nikita Zadorov. It's like, no, F off, man. No way. <laughs> like there's no way that that's the trade that I would end up making if I were Stan Bowman. But yeah, it would have to be that like kind of level of defenseman, like a guy that immediately comes in and basically is competing to be your number one defenseman. Like that's where it would have to be. And I'm not, Obviously, I'm not sure how many of those guys are floating around the NHL right now, but Dabrinkit is just, it's a contract and a name that I look at and I just go, I wonder in a flat cap NHL, if a $6.4 million cap hit for a guy who was on a 50 goal pace this year, is there a team out there that would just be like, hey, hey, Stan, do you want... You want to talk? Your blue line looks kind of uh, shoddy. I got a you know hot shot that I'd be willing to trade if you give me you know that scoring threat. And with Patrick Kane, obviously, I'm sure a lot of fans were like, "Oh, well, you could just if you're going to do that, you might as well trade Patrick Kane." A ten and a half million dollar cap hit with a no movement clause, and he's 32 years old. And I know how obviously I know how he just has not slowed down in his career. I don't think you get nearly the return for a Patrick game that you would for an Alex DeBrinkett. It's much harder to take on. And, uh, you know, with the, with DeBrinkett, with the RFA status, uh, this is a pipe dream. It's never going to happen. There's no way they're trading Alex DeBrinkett, but it's just just a, a thought exercise. But, you know, if you are trying to get a stud defenseman, a young stud defenseman like Kale McCarr and probably just Kale McCarr, that'd be like where my list begins and ends basically with Alex DeBrinkett. That might be the way you can get it done, but it's not going to happen. It's I think the dream. reason that I, this the reason this came up was because I've seen a few Blackhawk fans on Twitter floating the idea of a Jack Eichel trade. That would have to involve Alex DeBrincat for sure. I, like that, there's zero question about that. I I like Jack Eichel a lot. I just I don't know that I I don't want to. I'm not blaming him for what's going on in Buffalo. Buffalo's a disaster, but. I like everything Debrinket brings. He's proven to be a two-way yeah. center. He's a good presence in the locker room. He's Debrinket's beca- not a center. I, forward, sorry. Thank you for the correction. A good two-way forward. A solid presence in the locker room. We know what we got. He's a he's got fifty goal potential. I like. I know Jack Eichel's amazing. I just I'm really hesitant to move Alex Debrinket unless you're getting a guy who's going to be the next Duncan Keith. If you can Is promise he under me, contract for sorry, go ahead. No, if you can promise me the next Duncan Keith, cool. Right? Like then we can start the conversation. But mm-hmm. Jack Eichel is making ten million dollars until 2025-26. There you go. Nailed it. Uh, you don't need three players making over ten million dollars a season. Sorry. That's not that is not how you win games in an era where the sa- the salary cap's gonna be like eighty one million dollars. And I know this is with zero help. But his best season has been 77 games, 82 points. Nope. Good numbers. Sorry. No dice, man. It's not Connor McDavid. It's not Sidney Crosby. Eichel is not in that tier of player. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would trade to bring it for him straight up. And maybe that's stupid. But just known known commodity versus unknown commodity. I know centers are very valuable, but you got Doc. You believe in him. Like Scott Power said today, they think Taves is going to be back. Okay. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just hesitant. Anyway, we're I think we're I think you've honestly t- territory right now. I think you've honestly kind of convinced me to 
reestablished to bring it on the no way in hell you trade list (laughs) out of the three that you mentioned he was the one guy that i was like is there a scenario like it was almost like a thought exercise and i fantasized about a number one blue liner but they're just there's probably not going to be a team going to be willing to give up a price like that. So, Alex, congratulations. You're back on the list. All right. I'm sure he's he's just sitting by his podcast device like, come on, James. Okay, Alex, me, if you seriously, if Debrink gets listening to this podcast right now, <laughs> he's not. we will literally let you host the show whenever you want. Like, come on down. You know, <laughs> like I I'll give up my mic for a week. If you just want to talk some hockey with Jay, do it. Nah, I wouldn't do it without you, buddy. No oh, chance. what a guy. No chance. All right, let's get into like actual reality hockey discussion here. Uh, first, I want to tell everybody about our newest sponsor, Kent Sinson of the Sinson Logger. Big hockey fan, big hockey player. More importantly, he's an injury lawyer. After prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County State's attorney, he opened his own firm over 20 years ago, and they have been killing it in the injury business. His firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for their clients. And the best part is they don't charge you any fees if they don't win for you. So if you've got a work injury, if you're in a car accident, a slip and fall case, something along those lines, Kent Simpson is the man to call 312-332-2107 or visit SimpsonLawGroup.com. That's S-I-N-S-O-N LawGroup.com. Again, 312-332-2107. Don't go off sides. Go top shelf call Kent Sinson now. So the Hawks have a new goalie in the mix. And the way things stand right now, you've got Callan Delia, Malcolm Subban, Kevin Lincoln, and all signed through next season. And then all three become unrestricted free agents. The new goalie, Arvid Soderbloom, signed for $883,750. From what I'm told by my Hawks sources, the expectation is he will play in Rockford next year, but it is a guy they like. And it's a guy who had 18 NHL teams pursuing his services. So this is a signing to be excited about with an eye towards the future. And you've got, you know, the goalies you have at this moment, they're not spring chickens, right? Like Delia's 26, Subban's 27, Lincoln is 26. They're not all like unknown commodities in the system. You've got... Uh, Drew Camesso, who's, I think, 18 or 19. Uh, Second-round pick last year, right? Yes. So Soderblom would sort of uh, fill that gap in goal. He's only he's 22, so he's a little bit older, but not up there with the other three. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking to start in Rockford, and if he really plays well, that's someone you can see play for the Hawks next season, depending on what they de- decide to do in goal. And that's another situation where They've got a little bit of goalie depth and not enough. But you're going to play. You're going to have all three of those guys on your roster next season. There's no point not even to have the three of those in your organization. So right. I think one of those three is going to get traded. I would agree with that. And I also would uh, say that um, there you're obviously going to see two of those guys. Delia and Subban, I believe, will both be exposed in the uh, expansion draft. Not that I think the Seattle Kraken are going to be knocking down the Blackhawks doors to get either of those guys. But you do have both of them, and then if you lose one of them, you obviously have Soderblom in the mix potentially for them. And you know, maybe I know we have the fourth line farm going right now for the Blackhawks. That uh, <laughs> Scandinavian goaltending pipeline is starting to uh, bear some, uh, you know, 
results as well. You obviously have Lincoln in. Uh, you had Auntie Ranta. You had Auntie Niemi. I mean, they're just they're coming from that area of the world, I guess, to the Blackhawks. That's an area they love getting their goaltenders from. Scandinavian goalie pipeline is my favorite EDM group. <laughs> So now we have the Scandinavian goaltending pipeline and we have the fourth line farm. We are two totally churning out the talent on this team. Yeah, two totally different styles of music. <laughs> you know, the fourth line farm is a bluegrass, you know, uh, bluegrass trio or or what, what's four? What's a four trio? Quad quartet. quartet. Yeah. Thank you. Oh my God. Jesus, Jay. <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> Mean did they, uh, did they uh, jump on with uh, Sturgill Simpson? Didn't he have like the mowing grass like yes, he did. EP or something like that? Uh, two full length LPs, in fact. Sorry. Get it right, dude. Even though I don't you know, know what? what a quartet you, is. You're in your boy Sturgill. <laughs> the only, I know there's only one man in your life that you love more than Sturgill Simpson. You. Jason is. But no, just know. you, man. No, you cannot put me ahead of those two. You stop that right now. All right. You're right. I'm lying anyway. <laughs> anyway where do we oh yeah we got off the rails because we started comparing these guys to uh bands but i do think so i completely agree with you and with the assessment on soderbloom i think that it makes complete and total sense for him to basically play the colin delia role uh in the coming season down in rockford i think that's a really good place for him to be really interested to see just kind of how they manage the three-man weave at the NHL level. I had imagined that a trade or something to that effect will be coming for either Subban or Dealey. I think the only one I can say conclusively is in their plans at goalie for next season would be Kevin Lankinen. I will say, too, just based on some conversations I've had since the season ended, I think the Hawks are very aware of what Kevin Lankinen is, and I want to make sure I'm saying this carefully. They like him. They're comfortable with him as their starter entering next season. However, they're very aware of the fact that he's not a true number one goalie. He is an elite backup to a replacement level starter. Okay. That's not an insult. And if I told you that's what Kevin Lincoln was going to be when they signed him or when last season, which is still going on now for some teams began the 2021 season began, you would have taken that, right? Like, okay, this guy's a legit starter, but probably better as a, as a outstanding backup. So I don't know if they're necessarily done goalie shopping. Now, I don't know how the Soderbloom thing changes that. Maybe they're just filling time to see how he does in camp. And then if he, you know, if Soderbloom plays a few games in Rockford and looks like the guy they think they're getting, maybe they call him up and he's the guy. I don't know. But I think I'm confident saying they don't see Kevin Lincoln and as their next Corey Crawford. Does it surprise you that they made this decision with the crop of free agents that's going to be coming out this season? I just wonder how much money they have. Because, I th- again, with the Taves thing, there's so much money up in the air. Yeah, but it's just it's the volume of guys that are going to be coming out as free agents that I kind of thought would potentially kind of depress the market maybe just a little bit. Maybe. That was kind of a thought that I had at least about it I'm like trying to remember some of the names that we had looked at obviously there were some like decent ones that you know you could potentially see them you got Philip Grubauer Auntie Ranta Peter Morazic James Reimer Devin Dubnik Pecorine all those guys are going to be free agents and I'd imagine yeah there will be some musical chairs there and yeah some of those guys are going to get contracts but you also have a flat salary cap and your entire goaltending room right now all four of those guys 
carry a cumulative cap hit of less than three and a half million dollars. So I think based on what they've spent on goaltending in the past, wouldn't shock me if maybe they took a run at one of those guys. I just I thought that maybe the signing here of Soderbloom would maybe take them out of that mix. I'm just I'm kind of I'm curious about that decision with the number of guys who are potentially going to be available. I'm just trying to look at who would be markedly better than Lankinen and affordable. And I wonder if Pecorine is the new Marty Turco. Can you, uh, the new Cam <laughs> Ward. Yeah, um, right. Sign the veteran for cheap, a last deal for this guy, have him come in and start for a while, and then bring in your young guy when he's ready. And you've also have the insurance policy of Lincoln. I'm not doing that, but I'm just thinking Stan Bowman think. Nah, there's like a million other options that you have in your own system that I think you would argue have obviously higher upside than a Pecorino. How, how do you like Ranta? <sighs> I mean, 32. Well, I think the Coyotes have really liked him. Yeah. I don't know, man. And and one thing, too, like that has went ignored this year because they're so bad. Jonathan Bernier had a really good year for Detroit. Yeah, he did. Like. As, as good as you can do playing for Detroit, that's what Bernier did. Arrow was pointing up for them a little bit at the end of the season. I would get frequent texts from my Red Wings fan friend saying, if it wasn't for Jonathan Bernier, this would be the worst team in history. Mm. <laughs> Boy, Blackhawk fans have been there. Yeah, so I don't know. That's a 32-year-old who's been around the block. I don't know. I, I'm just kind of like, unless you're getting a guy who's definitely better than Lincoln and is a free agent, I'm just kind of riding them out and see how Camesso and Soderbloom develop. Mm. And if you still aren't thrilled, because look, they're not contending for a cup next year. They're I'm not. not super opposed to that. I think you're right. Yeah. All right. Uh, one more thing I want to get to before we break and pick our playoff team. We addressed the Pat Foley situation in our last podcast. It happened during that game. If you missed it, Pat Foley was talking about the conditions the Blackhawks players went through in terms of like quarantining and staying in their hotels. And he, chose his words poorly said if I was if I had to do that I would have put a bullet in my head which is obviously a horrible choice of words it's horrible optics and James and I sort of wrote it off as look uh older guy didn't really think through what he was saying immediately apologized immediately owned the mistake and I was and I said all right and move on I think you and I sort of agreed on that James yeah we did since then I've heard some information that the Blackhawks were absolutely furious mm. about that. And when Pat Foley left the building that, that night felt like it may have been his last game as a Hawks broadcaster. That's how much trouble Pat Foley was reportedly in for that comment. Now I'm going to go on the record. Pat Foley should not be fired for that comment. I think that it was incredibly insensitive. I think that again, he said it kind of flippantly and maybe as it was coming out, the immediate regret hit him like, oh, I shouldn't be saying this, but <laughs> you know, mm. the cliche vomit, which is kind of sounds like what happened to him. Um, but the Hawks were pissed, pissed. Yeah. So just be aware of that. I don't know. You know, I feel like if they were going to make a change, they would have. But uh, they would have like. I don't think there's any rush, especially with all the you know comings and goings with Turner and ESPN coming into the league next season. I don't know if the obviously the dust hasn't quite settled on everything yet, so I wouldn't rule anything out at this point. Yeah, I don't know. I just know, and I, I was sort of 
first I was shocked by the tone of the Blackhawks statement on it. It was very, I don't want to say harsh. Harsh is the wrong word. It was very firm. Unacceptable. Those sort of words in there, right? And then from what I heard after that, they were legitimately upset. And there was a point where Pat Foley was concerned about his job. Maybe he still is, uh, but just something to keep an eye on. Whether you agree with it or not, that's the reality. The Hawks were very, very upset about that comment. And that's, you know, Danny Wirtz, who I'm told is very hands-on in terms of marketing, image, all those things. He's From what I understand, he's hands-off with the hockey, but he's very involved day-to-day with running that organization. Uh, New president Jamie Faulkner is obviously, as the president, bring her up too, yeah. Super involved too. And you've seen a lot of the progressive things they've done this season with um, the land acknowledgments and a lot of the things the Hawks have taken on this year um, that is, they are taking that comment, that slip of the tongue, whatever you want to call it, very, very seriously, uh, right or wrong, take it for what it's worth. But the Hawks were very upset about that. Mm. It's very interesting to uh, hear that that was the reaction. And it makes me wonder kind of what's going on behind the scenes that the, maybe the Blackhawks could look at this as potentially a, Oh, I, maybe last straw is kind of a strong way of putting it, but another mark in the ledger if they're potentially going to make a change with their broadcasting team. I mean, think about it. Ed, Eddie Olchek is going to be leaving, obviously, NBC's hockey coverage since that won't be a thing anymore. He signed with ESPN, right? I thought he signed with Turner. Oh, you're right. You're right. He yeah. signed with Turner. Uh, Ray Ferraro, I think, signed with ESPN, and so did uh, Brian Boucher. Um Oh, I need to know is where's Pierre going to go? <laughs> I can't live without old penis. I, it's it's hard to keep track of who's landing where, but all I know is that if you were going to potentially make a change to your broadcast team, would this not be a really good time to do it considering all of the upheaval in the industry? Like, it may not be the sole reason, obviously, the Blackhawks would make a change like that, but maybe it would help kind of push them in a direction. I don't know. What do you think of that kind of speculation, I guess? If they've, look, if they've been meaning, if they've been wanting to do that, they have a built-in excuse to do it. I mean, this could be the Dale Talon fax machine. I just don't. I don't want to speculate because I I don't I don't know I don't know what Pat Foley's future is. I, Definitely not. All no. I know is in that moment they were livid. Like he mm. got a call from the way I understand it is he either got a call or a text during that commercial break, and you heard why he was so repentant when they came back. Mm. He was very very apologetic and rightfully so. He made a he made a, a blunder. Oh, it's a terrible thing to say. I just I just don't think that he was. He just didn't think it through. Yeah. He just was fishing for words, and that's what came out. And obviously, upon reflection, he said, yeah, this is I shouldn't have done that, and I'm sorry. But, yeah, it, it did not end there. Let's just put it that way. All right. Yeah. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to select our playoff team for the 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm excited. James is excited. I'm really I don't really have a thought right now on which my team's going to be. I've got a couple things. I'm going to let James sell me on our playoff team. Oh, geez. I'm no ready. Pressure. I've got no, no pressure. I've got two in mind that I like, but I can be convinced otherwise. That on the other side of this short timeout on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. 
Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as low as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Happy Friday, Chicago. It's Jay Zawoski here in Homewood. James Naveau out there in Bourbon A. Want to tell you about our sponsors at Fry the Coop and FryTheCoop.com. Elmhurst, Westtown, Oaklawn, Prospect Heights, and brand new in Tinley Park. I got Fry the Coop this week, James. Wasn't able to eat it right away. My mom got it for me. She went, got some, and then had it at her house for me. Came home, warmed it up. Absolutely perfect. Like I ate it at the restaurant. Fry the Coop is the best damn Nashville hot chicken you will ever have. Go to frythecoop.com, select the location nearest you, place your order online, go to their pickup window, grab it, eat it in your car, bring it home, you're good to go. And I'm assuming with the CDC's new mask regulations that Fry the Coop will be opening their dining rooms very, very soon. But look, they have been killing it throughout this pandemic. And when a business thrives during a pandemic, that's all you need to know about the services and the food they provide. Fry the Coop is one of my favorite places on earth. It will be yours too. Frythecoop.com. Again, Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, and Tinley Park. All right, James, the playoffs begin on Saturday with Bruins, Caps. Nope. With, yes, Caps. That's correct. Yeah. I'm stupid. Qu- quartet. It's called a quartet. <laughs> For those that have forgotten, <laughs> yes, Bruins and Caps begin on Saturday, and then everything really gets rolling on Sunday. I'm excited. I've got two teams in mind that I are considering that I'm considering rooting for in the playoffs. But James, I'm going to give you the floor to state your case for which team the Madhouse Podcast should support, and we'll book a hot mic for them. We'll do I was going to say we'll do nine. a hot mic for this team. Yeah, for sure. And then maybe a post-game show or two. I think that could be fun as well, depending on how far they get into the playoffs. But, yeah. Um, All right, so there are three teams that I've kind of identified that I would think would fall under the auspices of Jay's teams. Well, wait a minute. This is not my team. This is our our team. team. It's our team. All right. But but they appeal to me also, which is why I think they would work. Fair enough. uh, We're going to start with the one that I'm not sure of. And that is between Vegas and Florida. Is it one of those teams? It is one of those teams. I'm going to guess Vegas. Correct. And 
I also had them on my list as a potential bandwagon team. I think that the Vegas Golden Knights are, they have a really good combination of two things. They're likable and they have a chance to win. I don't want to bandwagon a team that's going to get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, but I also don't want to bandwagon a team that everybody is picking to win, which kind of eliminated Toronto and Colorado in my estimation. So Vegas is one of my potential teams. I'd like a lot of the players on the Golden Knights. I think it would be a really cool story if they won the Stanley Cup. The other team that I'm like 99.999% sure you would be good rooting for is the Carolina Hurricanes. And I would say that they probably have the third-ish best odds of winning the Stanley Cup. I've seen several national experts pick them. I don't think it's any surprise to anybody who listens to this show that I am a Carolina bandwagon fan through and through and that I would love nothing more than to be a caniac for the postseason and to do hot mics about a team. And I know that there is a player on the team that really it hurts Jay to watch him play for another team. But... I still think the idea of Tavo hoisting a cup is something that would give a Jay Zawoski a lot of joy. And frankly, seeing the Hurricanes win something and be a bunch of jerks all over the ice as they hoist the Stanley Cup, there's just a a lot of appeal in that for me. So I think that Vegas and Carolina would be my two finalists in order to, you know, have a bandwagon team. All right, that's two of my three. The third one is Colorado, simply because I picked them to win in the beginning of the season. It'll make me look smart. But I'm crossing them off because I don't want them to win. I've already got enough poor boys from you. Ayo. All right. So here's the thing. Wait, who did I pick at the beginning of the season? I don't even remember. I don't remember. It may have been Colorado. No, I think you picked Tampa. Oh, you're right. I did. I picked Tampa to repeat. That was. Yeah. And you know what? Hey, they still might. They're a good team. All right. So. We're but between... they're out for me. They're the defending champs. How the hell are you going to bandwagon the yeah, defending so champions? That's so fun. And we also didn't mention the Quenville factor in Florida. I mean, that's obviously a big thing, but there's also the part of that where we want to root for a team that has a chance of winning the cup, and I'm not entirely sold on the Panthers as having that chance, but who knows? Nobody picked Dallas to win the West last year, so All right, know. here are my concerns, okay? Okay. With Vegas. They play on the West Coast, so it's late games. Late games. I also find myself rooting for the wild to upset them. What? Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought so little of the wild heading into the season. The fact that they're in, I, I, they're kind of like my, they don't have a chance, but maybe they have a chance sort of They're team. solid. They're not a bad team. No, they're not. That, that's what I'm saying. So I might find myself actually rooting for the wild watching that series. Hmm. There's my concerns with Vegas. Hmm. Carolina. I don't really have any concerns with because Tavo's on there and I love him. Yep. I'm just afraid of how sad it will make me. Hmm. It's interesting. I just I I hope that like guys like uh Sebastian Aho and Andre Svechnikov and Peter Mrazek and James Reimer and just all of the excuse me, all the guys that Carolina has kind of accumulated this season. Just a lot of really fun and exciting guys to watch play hockey. And like I said, it seems like they kind of embody the best of both worlds. They're potentially a really fun team to watch, and they're also a team that has a very realistic shot at winning the Stanley Cup. And I think that based on that combination and the fact that, yeah, we're, we have a little bit of a concern about Vegas and the rootability, we kind of have to go Carolina, don't we? 
Yeah, I think we have to. My only thing, too, is like it's kind of a common bandwagon team, and they've had a bit of a bandwagon element the last few seasons, but screw it. My favorite player is on there. I also, like, be cool to see Jordan Stahl win. I yeah. love Sebastian Ajo. Yep. Um, I'm a big fan of... Uh, I like Ron Brednamore. Of Slavin. I like Sla- uh, Slavin a lot. By the way, the Blackhawks signed his brother to an entry-level right. deal. Don't forget. Future Blackhawk Dougie Hamilton. I'm a big fan. I know. <laughs> Everybody is a huge fan of Dougie Hamilton and is hoping he ends up coming to the Blackhawks. All right. I think we've got our team. I don't, I, I don't think it's a surprise. Like I said, not a surprise to anybody. I've had secret Canes enthusiasts in my Twitter bio for at least a year and a half now. It's so not really a secret when it's there that long. It, yeah, it kind of has gotten to that <laughs> point, I think. So, yeah, I'll be uh, donning my black Carolina Hurricanes jersey uh, next Friday, the 21st. They play at 6 o'clock against the Predators, Jay. Game three, you thinking a hot mic? Friday night sounds like a good hot mic to me, my friend. I like it. Let me see. I got to check Addie's baseball schedule, but that should be, that should work. We'll see. I'll let you know. They also sure. play on Sunday the 23rd, so we have a couple of options there if we want to do a weekend hot mic. All right. Well, we'll find one. We'll do one for sure. So the Carolina Hurricanes, unsurprisingly to anyone who's listened to this podcast for any amount of time, has been adopted as the official playoff team of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. If you'd like to join us, join us. Become a Kaniac with us. They've got Tavo. And I've always, I grew up a big fan of Rod Brindamore, too, as a player. So I feel good about this. I was sort of like, ah, Carolina seems so obvious. But it's obvious for a reason. They've got players we like. I like how they built the team. They can score. They can defend. I think they have a real chance to do to actually win the Cup this year. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yep. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We'll be back. You know we're back every week. So keep an eye on our social media for, uh, you know, updates on our newest episodes. Also, we're recording an episode with Evan F. Moore regarding his new book, which is going to be awesome. Look for that to be posted early next week, probably on Monday. So make sure you check that out. He is the author of Game Misconduct, Hockey's Toxic Culture, and How to Fix It. We're going to do an interview with Evan and post that early next week. So be on the lookout for that as well. With that, I'm going to wrap things up. Thanks for joining us on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, Dr. Squatch, and by the Sits in Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co host of the sports podcast Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.